welcome to Maine's Oyster Aquaculture Podcast. My name is Bill Perna. Here we have weekly conversations with oyster farmers, many who are marine biologists, ninth generation fishermen, or former hedge fund guys, but all are driven by the desire to work on the water and to fight the impact of climate change. These are global stories just told locally. Maine faces some big challenges. The Gulf of Maine is the second fastest warming body of water on the planet. But these folks have ideas and solutions driven by science and innovation. These entrepreneurs are a resilient, gritty group. Oyster Aquaculture cleans water, helps coastal communities, preserves Maine's working waterfront, just as it contributes to Maine's economy, the food scene, and tourism. These are stories told with humor and optimism about the best oysters in the world. Love Point Oysters in the fall of 2017, not even two years ago. So I think I'm the youngest, uh, newest kid on the block here. Just honored to be a part of this dialogue. This is where Love Point is located. We're down here in Portland, all the way there, and we're on the southeast corner of Upper Goose Island, well out in the bay, a lot further from a lot of the other farms, which are sort of higher up in the estuaries, and we get a lot of salinity and a lot of uh, a lot of energy at our farm, a lot of turbulence, and we, we grow out in uh, float, floating cages. So, I thought we were supposed to say why we got into this work. I'm going to go for it, in case it's of interest. Moved to Maine recently, and, uh, you know, had a blank slate from my better half, God bless her soul. You know, I immediately gravitated towards uh, starting my own business. I've always had this, like, little bug inside me, like, I should, I should do it. And, um... I wanted that business to make the world a better place. That was really important to me. And I sort of looked to that working waterfront, and when I learned the story of a farm-raised oyster, I fell in love. I just, um, this is a very virtuous source of protein of everything up here in terms of why I got in. That, that's what's driving me. You know, oysters require zero fertilizer, zero feed, zero water. They are pushing the bounds of sustainably produced food. And at the end of the day, you get this unbelievably delicious sip of the sea that brings you to the place where it was grown. You know, it's a product that is tangible. You know, I can hold it at the end of my work and say, this is what I did right here. Um, it brings people happiness. It's, it's sustenance. It's vitamins, minerals, protein, all that good stuff done in a way that produces minimal harm to the environment. And you could argue, I think Phil made the point, like it actually improves the environment source of protein that makes the environment better. So that is what lets me look my kids, my three little kids in the eyes and say, like, this is what I do and this is why I do it. And it you know, gives me a little motivation to get out there in the mornings and when it's snowing and terrible. Um, so I was charged with uh, talking about the concerns and challenges of a new <laughs> farmer. And um, of course, I'm Love Point Oysters. And our tagline is love is the point. So this was not easy for me, right? So there's a little asterisk, I don't know if you can all read it, but I did, uh, I was able to sort of draw upon my years as an English teacher uh, and, and just reframe this a little bit. Challenges are opportunities to learn and grow. So let's all think about that as I go through these non-optimistic things. So first one, income. Uh, it takes two to three years to get an oyster to market. 
that's a long time before you see a single penny of revenue. I set aside some working capital, some startup capital, I've had to double all that, right? I'm funding this out of my own pocket because banks aren't interested in lending to farms because they're so risky. And so I've had the privilege of doing this full time. I've uh, got a better half who's carrying the team right now and supportive of this, which is remarkable. But most guys, I think a lot of new farms actually have to start part time. Uh, but that's a real, that's a real challenge if you want to get started. So yeah, I didn't know anything about farming uh, a couple of years ago, and you know I'm a millennial. I uh, what did I do? I went to Google. I said how to farm oysters, and I did enter, and there was like a shocking dearth of information. <laughs> Nothing. I found like a Canadian manual from the early '90s, which is shockingly relevant. But um, um, you know, like. The answers weren't there, and so I had to be like very resourceful. Um, I had to talk to other growers. I took a part-time job with them at the Oyster Company. Um, there's a lot of amazing organizations in the state of Maine that are trying to help aquaculture grow. Uh, Maine Center for Entrepreneurs, Maine Aquaculture Association, Maine Association, uh, Maine Aquaculture Innovation Center, that's the darling one. Um, Maine Sea Grant, Gulf of Marine Research, uh, Coastal Enterprises, like there's a lot of large institutions trying to have this be successful, and I've gotten to meet a lot of those people, but I had to work at it. I couldn't just like type it in Google. So uh, yeah, so mortality is this third challenge. It's every single farm has mortality, right? If there's a farm that doesn't, I'd like to know who they are and what they're doing. So oysters will, some of your stock will die, um, and you won't be able to bring that to market. And that not only, you lose that revenue, it makes the oysters that you bought more expensive. It's like a double whammy on your financial situation. So our primary goal as farmers is to, to not kill oysters. It's that simple. But it's really, really complicated. You have to get deeply connected to nature and understand what's happening with these creatures in your care. And it's, uh, it's very scientific. I mean, it's like a lot of observations and trying to figure out what's going on. But you want to maximize their well-being and make sure they're happy and not dying. Um, and that is really hard. And what I may have a mortality event at my farm that is totally different than land. And so, so much of this is hands-on. Again, you can't Google it. Um, but, sorry. Uh, I learned about mortality after my first winter. And I bought my seed from land. I'll never forget this. He said, um, here you go, man. Good luck. You're going to need it. It's probably going to kill a lot of oysters, but hang in there, you can probably figure it out. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oysters. And, uh, and I thought, hey, I'm a smart guy, I'll figure it out. I'm not worried about it. But sure enough, you know, one winter later, I, I pull out a bag and open it like this, and it's making sound of a rain stick. Does everybody know the rain stick? I was a little boy, and I, just, I would just turn it and meditate all day. It's just heaven. Well, um, when an oyster dies and all that meat leaves, what you're left is this empty shell that makes this pingy, sort of pingy, rain sticky sound. So that little childhood memory is destroyed. But it only takes like five days to like do that, which is good, I've learned. Uh, they're not, they weren't all. Anyways. So my better half has been preaching this focus, my dear husband focus, because I like finally put myself out there, I'm gonna start a business, and every new idea, was this like beautiful pearl of infinite potentiality. And I, you know, with everything, I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna do that, that's gonna be good. We're gonna grow muscle, scallops, kelp, you know. Uh, love is the point, is the new life is good. 
Um, <laughs> I just started an aquaculture festival. Uh, I mean, I just, it went so deep. And I, and I think I wasted a lot of time. Because uh, really what I want to do is farm oysters. I want to be on the water for that romantic, that whole, all the romanticism that's baked into doing this work is, is what I, is why I started. And so, um, yeah, pick something, pick one thing, get really good at it. it it's really hard not to fall into this rabbit hole. And the last thing is just, that keeps me up is we all face a climate change. Gulf of Maine's warming faster than 99% of the ocean's waters. With that comes more frequent and intense storms, harmful algal blooms that result in prolonged harvest uh, closures of shellfish, more acidity, less calcium carbonate. I don't know if this would be your bailiwick, but like it's harder for shells to form if there isn't calcium carbonate in the water. So uh, we we are trying to figure that one out. That's a, that's a huge challenge that's out there, and uh, we're just all going to learn and grow from that. So. If you like stories like this, visit MaineOysterBook.com for more conversations with the people who have and are creating the story of Maine oyster aquaculture. And you can pre-order the new book from Perna Content, Maine Oysters, Stories of Resilience and Innovation. This book is filled with wonderful insights from very interesting people, and it's filled with stunning photography from some of Maine's best photographers. portion of the proceeds of this podcast and Maine Oyster Book are contributed to the Maine Community Foundation. The Maine Community Foundation works to improve the quality of life for all Maine people. To find out more, visit mainecf.org. See you next week, and thanks for listening.